0: good morning north haven thank you so much for being with us here today Uh, my name is pastor adam for those of you who don't know who i am and i'm the senior pastor here at north haven and so i couldn't be more excited about what today is going to begin today july 4th 2021 begins our christmas in july focus that we're going to have over this entire month and so each sunday we're going to be looking at operation christmas child Now, for a lot of you, when you hear Operation Christmas Child, you immediately begin thinking about what that is, and you're aware of the shoeboxes, and you maybe have been to a packing party or a packing experience, either at another church or here at North Haven. But Operation Christmas Child, for those of you who aren't aware, is an endeavor that happens all across the country where we pack shoeboxes full of hygiene items, school supplies, and toys and another things that get sent out to kids all across the world and specifically kids who don't have access to those things and it's not just so that they can have school supplies it's not just so that they can have hygiene items or or it's not just so that they can have toys and whatnot Uh, But it is so that they can hear in a tangible way and experience the good news of Jesus Christ. Because in each one of those shoeboxes is the message of the gospel. And the message that each and every single one of these kids is dearly loved and pursued by their creator. And that love is personified so perfectly in the death and resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And so this is just a fantastic endeavor and it's one that North Haven Church has embraced for a number of years. And you may have participated in any of our um, Operation Christmas Child packing experiences, but all those boxes need supplies. And so you see just a semblance of those supplies here behind me. These are, these are various items that are going to be eventually packed into these shoe boxes and that will be sent to kids all across all across the world. And we want to invite you to be an active participant in that, yes, even in July. So as I mentioned, we're going to be unpacking what Operation Christmas Child is, our relationship as a church with Operation Christmas Child, and its impact uh, on on people, on kids, and communities, families, all all across the world. And we're going to do that in two specific, or rather three specific ways. The first is uh, we're going to hear stories of Operation Christmas Child and how it has impacted people's lives. The second thing is we're going to give you a tangible means of actually getting some of these supplies yourself. And so in your worship folder, you'll notice that there is a list of school supplies that we're asking you to go out and get sometime this month. The third thing that we're gonna ask you to do is each box that, box that gets sent out to kids all across the world requires a certain amount of money in order to ship it and that amount is nine dollars it costs nine dollars to send one of those boxes out and so we're asking you would you consider would you even now consider praying about giving towards a box or two or three or four or five or ten pray about that begin praying now but Today's gonna be a little different. Because I'm not in person with you here today, I wanted to give you the next best thing, and that is a conversation that I had the privilege of having with a gentleman by the name of Eve. Now, I first heard Eve's story last year when he came and spoke to a number of us uh, connected with Operation Christmas Child at North Haven. He shared his story and it's such a powerful testimony to the impact of Operation Christmas Child that I could not pass on the opportunity to share that with all of you. Without further ado, check out this conversation between Adam and Eve.
1: All right, well, Eve, thank you so much for joining me, and uh, I'm looking forward to spending this time and talking to you about Operation Christmas Child, and, you know, you were with us last year. We had, um, in the midst of COVID and all the craziness yeah. that we were, well, I mean, we're kind of still in the midst of it, but we certainly were at that time, and you came, and there was a group of us who heard you and your story and um, I personally was just incredibly uh, blessed and encouraged, not only by your story, but by your heart and passion for the lost, and specifically then Operation Christmas Child's role yeah. in
2: yeah.
1: Uh, sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so, you know, we are we're in the midst now. We're starting today our Christmas and July uh, uh, push and in, in hoping to. Uh, elevate and illuminate um, Operation Christmas Child, specifically here at North Haven Church. Hi, Adam. Uh, Hi, everyone. Uh, I am so
2: excited to to be here virtually, you know, (laughs) here. Uh, I wish I could be there in person, but this is the next best thing. Uh, I am honored to get to uh, witness the amazing work that all of you at the church are doing uh, through the Ministry of Operation Christmas Child, my name is Eve Dushime, and when I was 11 years old, I received one of these red and green shoe boxes that so many of us have uh, come to know so come to know so well. Uh, I was living in the country of Togo uh, in West Africa, but that's not where I'm originally from. I'm originally from Rwanda, and uh, Rwanda is where my story begins. And we have to go way back to Rwanda to understand why this tiny little box has such a huge impact uh, on my life. Uh, I currently live in Buffalo, New York. Uh, you guys might know a little bit about, you know, the the, the frozen tundras uh, of the north. Uh, and uh, I serve. I've served. I've had the privilege, the greatest privilege, of serving as a as a spokesperson for Operation Christmas Child and Samaritan Spurs for the last seven seasons, seven years of my life. Yeah, and it is an honor, an honor truly, to be here. Well, Eve,
1: tell me, uh, so as I mentioned, you know, I have already had the benefit of hearing your personal story. You mentioned that you received one of these uh, red and green shoe boxes when you were a kid. Yeah. Can you tell us about that, uh, you know, share that story, how you interacted with that, and the impact it had in your life and your family?
2: Yeah, you know, um, like I said, in order to understand why such a tiny little thing uh, could have a profound impact on, on my life and in uh, it, on my heart, I have to go way back to Rwanda. That's where my family's from. And I'm sure the moment I mentioned Rwanda, uh, many of you, your minds directly went to uh, the Rwandan genocide, you know, the single... Uh, one of the worst atrocities to have ever befallen in the history of humanity. And that is where my story begins in 1994. And in case you don't remember, uh, the Rwandan genocide was a a power struggle, a conflict uh, sparked by a power struggle between two people groups, Hutus on one side and the Tutsis on the other. And, you know, for generations, these two groups didn't, They couldn't get along, but they always find ways to make it work. However, in 1994, the president's plane was shot down. The president was Hutu at the time. And um, there were suspicions that the people that shut down his plane were the Tutsi rebels. And that was the single event, the single catalyst that led to the murder of one million people in the span of 100 days. Now, I'm sharing these details with you because among that million uh, were were my family members? I've never gotten the chance to meet my uh, my my uncles, my cousins, uh, uh, any of my grandfathers, any of my grandmothers, uh, of my extended family. I've ever met. I've only ever met my mom's little sister. Everyone else was uh, was slaughtered, killed for the crime of being born in an ethnic group. Uh, They never chose to be born into. And I'm sharing these things with you because I want you to understand the kind of mental state I grew up in as a kid. You know, as a kid in 1994, my family had to flee Rwanda um, in July of 1994, so they wouldn't Uh, So no harm would come to them. And at the time, my mom was eight months pregnant with me. So I was actually born on the road. Uh, My mom and my family had to walk two weeks and leave Rwanda uh, and eventually made it to Congo, uh, where they they settled uh, next door in a a refugee camp. And when you think refugee camp, it wasn't anything established or official. It was just a, a, a just an open space in the woods where they would go in uh, the woods and gather pieces of sticks, bury them in the ground, you know, four of them in each corner, find pieces of plastic, put them together, make the tarp and sleep in the dirt. And in that dirt is where I was born. And this is all super interesting because in the midst of all of this, I'm growing up in a Christian home. My parents are pastors. Okay. And almost on a daily basis, they're telling me, Eve, look, you got to, You got to look beyond that, and you got to love your your neighbor as yourself. And I would often ask my my, my dad, like, dad, I don't know how you can expect me to love the very people that killed your dad and your mom. I don't know how you can ask that of me. That was complete nonsense. Um, The hatred in my heart consumed every bit of who I was, and I saw no way out. until the year 2005, when we went to church, we were living in Togo at this point after traveling through so many different countries. And we, uh, we moved around so much because uh, at the time, no country was welcoming, welcoming uh, running refugees. They were saying, look, it was your people that killed one another. It was civilians that were killing civilians. We have no way of telling who was murderer or who isn't. So we're not going to let any of you in. So essentially, we had to sneak into countries. Uh, as illegal immigrants, because no one was taking us in, and we weren't going, we couldn't go back to Rwanda, unless we wanted to to, to get to get to get killed. Um, so we lived in eight different countries, and eventually made our way to to a place called Togo in the year 2005. We went to church one day, and they told us that someone somewhere had sent us these gifts um, just out of nowhere, and we can get into more details uh, uh, further in. Uh, but I remember being handed a box that looked very much like this. And um, let me tell you, this thing has radically changed my life forever. Uh, it, change, it changed it those many years ago, but it continues to do so today. And I know some of you guys are probably looking around thinking, Eve, you just told us about this heavy, uh, hardened heart. How can school supplies, hygiene items, toys, possibly have anything... Uh, to do with just any kind of redemption or healing. Well, let me tell you, when I opened up my shoebox at the very top, there was a sticky note, okay? And that sticky note read, God loves you. Jesus loves you. I love you. Now, I knew the first two things to be true because I heard it in church every week. I heard it at Sunday school. My parents had told me, but for the first time in my life, Here I was faced with an I love you from a member of that very humanity that I had grown to despise and sworn to despise for the rest of my life. And they were telling me essentially, look, Eve, despite your hatred for me, dude, I love you anyway. And here's proof of my love for you in the form of the first and only gift you have ever received in your entire life. I am 11 years old. I have never received a single gift because of the level of poverty we grew up in. And here is a complete stranger sending me a box filled with the very, very items I desperately needed as a kid. Let me tell you, Adam, um, that sticky note just uh, wrecked me. It it shook my world to the core. And um, to be honest, it was my least favorite item in my shoebox that day. (laughs) I hated that thing because it it, it convicted me. Mm. It challenged every previously held beliefs that I had in my heart, that humanity was doomed. Um, And God began to use it um, uh, as a seed to gradually begin this work of, of healing in my heart. Of course, gradually this didn't happen overnight uh, where he started to rid me of all that anger of all that pain, of all that brokenness and, making some room, some space in my heart for for love and compassion. And he did so simply by reminding me that um, if an ordinary man or a woman bore a girl out there in the world, that I justified hating by calling them broken. If a broken man or a woman bore a girl could demonstrate this kind of tangible, powerful love towards me, then one, what was my excuse? Because I justified hating them because I said, look, these people are broken. I'm better than them. They don't deserve my attention, my love, my kindness. If they can do this to a total stranger, then one, what's my excuse? And two, if a broken member of this humanity could demonstrate this kind of love towards me, then how much greater must my father in heaven's love for me be? And that love has... um, rescued me from the burdens of hatred I carried with me all along. And um, I owe all of that to someone like you in the audience, uh, packing a simple shoebox and sending it that way.
1: Wow. Wow. You, you mentioned that um, the box was full of items that you desperately needed. What, what were those items, and, and what was the need?
2: Yeah, you know, Togo is um, one of the poorest countries in the world. Okay, and when I say poor, um, I'm not talking America poor. <laughs> we have a we have a different kind of poverty in this country. Okay, I'm not saying there's no poverty. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying we have a different kind of poverty uh, in in this country. Um, in Togo, I grew up with kids who couldn't go to school simply because their families couldn't afford a pack of pencils. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I know that sounds insane. And just you can't wrap your mind around the fact that you can't afford a pack of pencils because uh, you guys have the Dollar Tree, right? You got you mm-hmm. have the dollar. I love the Dollar Tree. Uh, the, you know, we can go into the Dollar Tree, buy a pack of pencils for one dollar and be able to use it for for the rest of the year. Better yet, uh, some of you guys uh, in the church, in the congregation could probably, um, some of you with younger kids or maybe with grandkids, you could probably go home and go in your living rooms, uh, go digging in your cot cushions, and find enough school supplies to supply an entire school. How many of you guys know what I'm talking about? We have a different kind of poverty in this country. There is so much abundance here. And to put this into context, one American dollar is the equivalent of 540 plus of their currency. So affording a pack of pencil uh, pencils wasn't that simple. And here came this group of people we had never heard of um, in a community with so many kids who couldn't go to school and they sent us 300 shoebox gifts and every single one of them had school supplies. Uh, Almost overnight, the entire dynamic uh, in, in, in our village shifted because all of a sudden everyone could go to school there was an abundance of school supplies and you know my uh, my best friend growing up his name was Romarik uh, he didn't go to school because uh, his family couldn't afford it uh my my parents sent us to school because uh, of missionaries that they had worked with um I don't know if anyone has ever sponsored a kid and put them through school that's how my siblings and I were put through school uh by the way so thank you to anyone who has ever done that uh, my oldest brother is a doctor now my second is uh, following brothers finishing law school and all of us have uh, have had the opportunity to 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 reach our our potential because of someone sponsoring us so thank you if you've ever done that but my friend Romarick had never had that privilege and here he was in my village I would go to school every day and come back uh, and there he was um still you know just just laying around. And uh, on the day of the distribution, he didn't come to church, uh, but I had enough school supplies in, in my box to be able to share them with him. So I shared them with him. And for the first time in his life, he began to come to school uh, with me. And uh, romanik is currently a software engineer in, in West Africa, in Ghana. He lives in Accra, Ghana, the tech hub of West Africa. Uh, The guy makes more money than I'll ever dream of in my entire life, and he lives in Africa. Okay. (laughs) And, you know, uh, once in a while, I tell him, dude, where's my 10%, man? (laughs) Uh, But, you know, this wealth, these blessings that God gave them by. You know, starting him with an education because of school supplies and a shoebox, he's able to use those to build clean water projects, to, to 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 fund academic programs and all these wonderful things in his community. And that is how just these tiny little things that we may not think about uh, can have such an, a profound, tangible, physical impact uh,
1: on someone's life. A conversation that I have with many people about Operation Christmas Child is how Yes, a, a child will get that shoe box and obviously the items inside and that will uh, impact their lives. But the spread of that impact is much wider than just that child. Can you, can you yeah, talk yeah, about, the, about
2: Yes, the ripple effects are certainly, um, can certainly still be felt today in, in my community. I mentioned that where we lived, there were a lot of uh, witch doctors and like witchcraft followers, and uh, by the way, witchcraft is real. Anyone in the congregation didn't uh, know um, it's real because the devil is real, okay, and these witch doctors could could harness that power from the devil and be able to use it to heal just as much as to kill mm-hmm. and there is no you know oversight or accountability. In these villages, the chief of the village, who usually was the witch doctor, uh, whatever he said went, whatever he did went. That was the end of it. Um, And when we moved into this place, uh, a pastor's family, like the witch doctor was like, look, you got to you got to stay away from those people. The Christian folk are are your enemy. You are not to be seen talking to them um, or hanging out with them or anything like that. And um, people obeyed you know, they obeyed, and my dad was determined to, to, to share the gospel with anyone that he could, uh, because he would always say as kids that we were missionaries, which was really foreign to us, because we were like that, we, we're we not here on purpose, <laughs> <laughs> you know, all the countries we would go to, he's like, yeah, we're missionaries in a new, in a new country now, and we're like, dad, you're crazy, uh, but I now know what he meant, you know God had placed us in these communities so we could uh, have an impact not only by uh, with the things we said and what we shared but in the way we lived mm-hmm. and you know the folks in the community were terrified to come to the church uh until two thousand and five when they heard about these these gifts that were coming, and each and every single one of them had school supplies and All these families in in this village were like, look, um, we have the opportunity to send our kids to school for the first time ever. And all we have to do is just break the rule for like an hour tops. We don't even have to talk to them. You just get in line, get a box, go home and give our kids an opportunity at a better future. And, And I don't know about you or anyone listening, who has kids like they all chose their kids for that brief hour on that Sunday they were like look we're going to risk it for our kids and they went to church that day to our church As I, and as my father was looking was looking into this crowd that had gathered in our courtyard he was like we are never going to get these people ever back here ever again they're here for a gift but let's give them the greatest gift that we have ever received so he began to share the gospel for the first time in a community that had never heard uh, the name of Jesus spoken. I don't know if people are uh, tracking here, but for the first time ever, the gospel was pu- publicly shared in a village that had been ravaged by witchcraft. And it was all possible because God used 300 of these things to break down barriers that had existed for generations and generations and allowed the gospel to be preached. Uh, in fact, um you know, one of the crazy things that happened months later, because everyone that heard this, like, you know, we had this God so powerful, uh, yet so loving and forgiving that, uh, you know, not only we as believers, but they had the chance uh, of of having eternal life, forgiveness, salvation, because God had sent his one and only son to die on a cross uh, for, for everyone, not us. Not just us, but they too. People couldn't be quiet about that. They had to go and they shared it. And those things, those words started spreading in the community. Even to people who were never present that day, they started hearing that they didn't have to cower to what the witch doctor said. They had a God who could fight for them so they could fight back too and um, people started coming to church on Sundays asking questions like okay how do I do this how do I become this How, how do I find this freedom and about six months later or so one of the most powerful witch doctors came to know Christ at our doorsteps at our house as a result of these whispers of the gospel that started spreading and that coupled with him failing in a in a in a skill he had never felt that he tried to kill my dad and my family for so many times and in his words he said there was a powerful force that was fighting back that he didn't understand so then when he started hearing about this powerful God who could you know uh split the in two and set his people through and he was like well I can't do that and he would hear about this God who could um, feed thousands with just a couple of fish and loaves of bread. He was like, "Well, my people are starving, and I can't do that." He would hear about this God who could raise people from the from the dead, and he was like, oh, "I can't do that." And story after story, um, and coupled with his own defeat, and I think you never felt that this man had never failed at killing people. Uh, he'd been, you know, he had the per- this perfect record, if you will, until. Um, that powerful force that was explained by the gospel, the whispers that were spread in our community as a result of the shoebox distribution. Uh, but those were powerful because when that when that man came to know Christ, everything changed. Everyone was like, look, if that powerful man needs Jesus, so do we. In fact, uh, I love sharing his story because... Uh, almost overnight, he became best friends with my dad. It was very strange for all of us, to be mm-hmm. honest. He would drop by our house unannounced all the time. And at first sight, we were like, oh, the witch doctor is here. But then we would remember, you know, he's on our side now. But he would drop by our house all the time, unannounced, usually around dinner time. We kind of, my brothers and I caught on to the fact that maybe he liked my mom's cooking. <laughs> <laughs> and one day he came to the house and he was like, Pastor John, but that's says my father's name. Uh, Pastor Jean-Baptiste, can you tell me more about this thing? He had given them a Bible, and he was reading up about baptism. He's like, can you tell me more about baptism? And my dad was like, "Um, yeah, you know, it's a a public declaration of faith. It's a symbolic dying to our old selves and and our old sin and a renewal and a rebirth in Christ Jesus. And the man was like, well, am I eligible? And dad's like, of course you're eligible. So they set up a time and a date to go to the local river to baptize this man and whenever they got there this happened it was uh, uh, an incredible just a line of people that he had witnessed to and led to Christ like these people the the witch doctor had witnessed to led to Christ and invited to be baptized alongside yeah all those people came to oh. know Christ as a direct result
1: so let's 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 backtrack here so so 300 boxes were sent to the area in which you and your, your family lived. Yes. And, um, 300 children were given boxes and that not only uh, contained school supplies, which enabled these 300 kids to be able to go to school for the first time.
2: Ever. And more, more kids. More kids than that. Because they were able to distribute. <laughs> to share. Yeah. They just started sharing everything.
1: More more than that. And then and then this started a ripple effect where the gospel was being whispered amongst the people, which then culminated in the leader of of this community receiving Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior, which then prompted hundreds, hundreds, hundreds? villages over.
2: In fact, three new churches were planted in my community as a, as a direct result of this witch doctor coming to know Christ and those Uh, churches, 300 boxes,
1: 300 boxes,
2: three, yes, 300 boxes, Wow, three new churches and pastor Adam, those churches are still standing to this very day. I get to chat with the, the uh, one of the people in that line is a deacon at the church and we've grown really close over the years. We get to chat all the time and he's a deacon at one of those churches and he was baptized that day. As a result of being witnessed to by a witch doctor who came to know Christ, as a result of ripple effects from all the whispers, uh, that started with what? Wow. Three hundred shoeboxes.
1: That's yeah. amazing. That's I mean, it's, it it's, such a, it's such a powerful testimony. You know, I I, um, I, I can't help but do the numbers. Um, when i think okay so it, you know it's 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 nine dollars to ship a shoebox um three hundred boxes that's twenty seven two thousand seven hundred dollars right did i do the math already pretty yeah yes, $2,700. yeah <laughs> yes. two
2: thousand
1: seven hundred dollars to ensure that hundreds of people receive the knowledge of Jesus Christ their equal eternity is forever secure and churches are established kids are going to school for the first time ever I mean that's just what a return right mind-boggling you know you and I have talked and and uh you know one of the one of the difficulties with with any endeavor like this um and, and you know this living in Buffalo as well so you have, you have an individual or a family that lives here in Minnesota that, that is here at North Haven. And um, they're obviously, they're not in Togo. They're not in India. They're not seeing the I- immense ramifications, the immense um, uh, uh, return that comes from these shoe boxes uh, going into the hands of these kids all throughout the world. And it's easy, understandably, it's easy to go through the motions, right? To, uh, uh to go and to pack a box, to put stuff into it and, and yeah. hand it off to somebody and then maybe pat yourself on the back or feel like, okay, I did my Christmas duty of the year, but how can, how can we better understand our role in this process? How can we better, um, See our place in this grand story. Just the one shoebox. Like behind one is a whole
2: human being. Yeah. Let let, let me rephrase that. If it weren't for that person that packed my shoebox in 2004, 2005, I wouldn't be the person I am today. Mm -hmm. My life was. Changed radically because one person packed one shoebox. Now, I don't know who they are, where they are. Um, If I did, I would fly to the ends of the earth to meet them and show them my gratitude. But that one person packed one shoebox that changed my life forever. And then in turn, allowing me to to be able to um, share what God has done in my life uh, to others so they can be encouraged to do the same. Um, that person was the missionary in my life that God sent, that, that I needed to hear from. He or she is a missionary sent to my community uh, to change my heart. To those of you who have packed shoeboxes and, you know, sometimes felt like you got caught in in, uh, in the emotions, just be reminded that you are literally a missionary. Uh, to a world that you will never, or you may never set foot in. You can go if you want, but uh, you know you don't have to buy a plane ticket. You don't have to fly uh, to, to Togo, West Africa to make an impact, to be a missionary in the field. Just pack a shoebox. box, <laughs> the shoebox box will do it for you. And you will touch the life of uh, one child, potentially his or her family or their community forever simply by packing your shoebox
0: in the comfort of your own home or at your own church nine dollars to ship one box so if we think about that 300 boxes were delivered to eve's community that one day that completely changed everything 300 boxes that then cost two thousand seven hundred dollars to ship two thousand seven hundred dollars was the cost in order to ensure that lives were forever changed. Not just one, not just five, not just 50, but hundreds of lives that were changed for the gospel. That is an amazing return as Eve mentioned. So here's the deal. We're gonna make it super easy for you to give $9 or 18 towards one, five, 10, 15, 20 boxes and this is how we're gonna do it. You can certainly give you know, via check, you can give via cash, you can drop that in the offering um, as you leave the service here today. You can give that online just as we normally do or through the Church Center app. All those options are still there. But there's a new one that we're starting here today and it's gonna be available over the course of this month. All you gotta do is this, take out your smartphone, and you're going to text this number. You text this number, and in the, the, the place where you type your message, write OCC, and then the dollar amount that you want to donate. If this is your first time connecting with Secure Give, it's just gonna take you through a brief uh, uh, sign-in process. It takes just a minute. If you've already connected with SecureGive, it is going to send that money like that. It's super easy, super convenient. We're going to remind you of it over the next few weeks. Um, But yes, text this number and write OCC and then the dollar amount that you would like to donate. And then that money will specifically go into Operation Christmas Child here at North Haven, ensuring that the boxes that we pack are able to be covered and then sent to these kids all across the world. So I couldn't be more excited about what God's gonna do through this whole process. We're gonna see the faithfulness of God's people realizing the call, understanding that you and I, we are missionaries in this process. And when we send a box, we know that we are sending the message of hope, the message of healing, the message of Jesus and lives are gonna be changed. Thank you for joining us, and I can't wait to see what God's gonna do next.